Hello! Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. This is Shannon Betts. I bet you thought our season was over, and you're correct. We have finished with season five, but we got the opportunity to do a special chat with um, a guest from Scholastic to talk about summer reading, and we could not miss up the opportunity to share our discussion with you. And so, um, surprise, we have one more bonus episode for you here in season five. I hope you enjoy our chat with Dr. Amanda Alexander from Scholastic, where she's going to be sharing about their recently published Kids and Family Reading Report. We, Mary and I had a lovely discussion with her about different ways that parents can help support their children's summer reading at home. And I think that this episode benefits both teachers and parents. We hope you'll enjoy the episode and also um, we hope to see you June 27th and 28th at Educate and Rejuvenate. Check our show notes for details. This is the Reading Teachers Lounge where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hello, welcome to the Reading Teachers Lounge. We have a special bonus summer episode for you. Today we have Dr. Amanda Alexander from Scholastic. She's going to be sharing with us some summer reading connection tips for families and for teachers as well. Hi, thank you, Amanda. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Mary. I'm so happy to be here and talk with you. And I wish that the listeners could see what we're seeing right now because Amanda's coming to us from her office and she's got Clifford, the big oh, red dog, gosh. with her. Shannon, you're so kind. <laughs> it just makes me smile. I just grew up with Clifford, so this is making yeah, me happy. He's my office mate and I talk to him sometimes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we all need those buddies, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So you're coming to us with a, a new infographic from Scholastic, and um, it's how to make summer reading connections with for families. So you want to tell us a little bit about the data you all have collected? Yeah, uh, we were super excited about this year's um, report and, you know, the data, and it is quite compelling. And in some ways, it reaffirms things that we've already known, and in other ways, you know, causes us to pause and think a little differently. But um some of the big headlines, I think the, the greatest were that the vast majority of parents think that summer reading would be helpful to their child. So yay, we knew that, but the percentage was 96%. Um, I think what the report, uh, you know, reiterates or asks us to ponder and think a little bit though, beyond that is the fact that parents are still looking to schools and educators and quote unquote experts like the two of you and myself, you know, to help them make decisions about what their kids should be reading. Um, so they just don't know, you know, they wanna know more about how to actually support their kids um, reading. Some wanted to know about questions or conversation starters Others wanted to know if it's helpful to provide a summary of the book or recommendations on the next book. What activities should they be doing with their kids around books? What should they be doing with vocabulary? Um, and just, you know, learning development, literacy development in general, they had questions about that. And so 
there's a charge. There's, you know, a call for us educators and folks in the in the education field to, to help parents, um, you know, answer these questions. It sounds a little like maybe the parents have a little bit of um, fear or lack of confidence that they believe this is important and they know they have a role to make sure that their children read over the summer, but they don't want to do it incorrectly or waste time. And so they're Correct. asking these further questions to make sure it's done right. Although really, right. There is no right way. Just no make right sure way. you're reading to your child and make sure your children are reading like that. That that's, that's the minimum and, and maximum right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, nothing is ever perfect. Uh, I was never a perfect teacher, as I'm sure was the case with, you know, the, the no, two of, of you. Course, right. Never been a perfect parent or was parented perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, but we're all on a, on a journey, you know, Um of just trying to do what's right by kids. And so anything that you can do is of value. Um, but of course, there are some things um, I think uh, that would be helpful. And I think the first and foremost is just around choice and really letting your child um, make the decision, have some agency in this, in the selection of books that they read. Kids are more inclined to read books that they want to read and not those books that we um, kind of want to force them to read. You take the joy out of reading when you take away a child's choice. So I think that's important. What's coming to mind is graphic novels. You know, like we kind of think of summer reading as like the Newbery Award winners and those classics, but there's so much more available publishing wise than there was when I was that age that, and these graphic novels are actually very high quality literature, even though they don't look that way to us as from that Oh, they are. I mean, my niece loves graphic novels. She's my youngest niece. I mean, she's been into them since she was like nine or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever. But she's 11 and she still likes them, you know, right. um, Captain Underpants and, and others. So they are books and they're literature. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's time that kids' eyes are spent on text. And so there's there's value to it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it doesn't always have to be um, something formal, like we were saying, too. Sometimes reading magazines, looking through um, websites that have um, nonfiction information about learning new um, animals. My my daughter happens to love to look up axolotls, which are um, (laughs) these salamanders that live at the bottom of the ocean in Mexico, or at the bottom of a, a lake in Mexico. They are such fascinating creatures. That's also really quality reading time too, because you're reading for learning purposes. And so it's interesting. I I, I definitely agree. I think that kids' choice is so important. And um, yes, they need to have a selection of books where they can make that choice. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that's going to the library. Sometimes that is um, borrowing books from friends. I, Mm -hmm. amongst my group of friends, we often have the kids trade books. Um, because I love to trade books with my friends as well. And so it's a nice way of sharing. So, and also increasing um, the access that kids have to books too. Right. Yeah. And, and getting the recommendations from their, their peers is, is super powerful. I think you, you feel sort of, you know, empowered when you're able to make a recommendation and speak, you know, on behalf of the value that you found in a book and, and vice versa, you know, for the receiver. 
Right. Yeah. Just like when we recommend a restaurant and then someone goes there and they really like it and you're like, yes, I made a good recommendation. Yeah, exactly. That's how it feels. <laughs> you know, like Mary will recommend a professional book to me and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I got so much out of that Mary. And she exactly. it feels good to her too, that, you know, we connected over that book. So it makes sense. Like sometimes we assume that the kids aren't going to react that way, but they're human too. So they're going to have, mm-hmm. you know, a younger version of that same feeling that we're getting. Absolutely. Someone picks up our recommendation and, you know, connects with it too. I like that. Definitely. But I was um, just looking at this infographic for myself too, at the very bottom right corner, um, it says host or attend a literacy event. I I love love that idea. I do too. Yeah. Because, you know, formal or informal and that's fantastic. Absolutely. You know, and I was just thinking about that one too this morning and we, you know, as adults, we're in book clubs. I'm in a couple mm-hmm. of book clubs. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if parents, you know, actually, you know, form some book clubs for their kids, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just for clarification's sake for the listeners, this is actually a statistic from the children's data that says right. 52% of kids say they like going to those literacy events. They do. They do. And, you know, I how how powerful it would be for kids to select the book that they all want to read and talk about together, you know? I love that. Yeah. I think that's great. And, you know, it's really easy to pull some questions. And the parents could have their own separate little mm-hmm. book club <laughs> in another room, you know, where they too are kind of modeling, um, you know, I'm going to make that suggestion. I'll take a picture. Yeah. Oh, that's great the two other friends of mine we have a, it's called the itty bitty book club it's just the three of us <laughs> we should invite our kids and then we could have the itty bitty grown-up book club and the itty bitty kid book, itty club. Kid book club yeah <laughs> so but there's lots of events like that like I me mean, mary and i live in a big city of atlanta so we have actually we actually have independent children's bookstores like multiple of those and i know not everybody sure. has that but they constantly have author signings and read alouds that can happen but then even just any library anywhere in mm-hmm. the community is going to have yeah. you know mm-hmm. like story time they're going to have interactive like um reading response time where maybe it'll have a mm-hmm. craft or something all of those count as literacy events i also know our public schools usually in the fall or the spring will have like a reading camp or yes something like that that's become really fun to go to yeah and some of them even extend the the literature nights or the mm-hmm. you know during the school year lots mm-hmm. of schools will have you know a literacy night um where right. tons of things, you know, kind of take place um, almost like in a circuit, you know, mm-hmm. style where there may be, you know, to your point, a read aloud or an activity that's done in response to listening to a story, whether it's an arts and crafts activity or, but schools, some actually repeat those events during the summer, you know, um, so it's yeah. a great way for parents to even think about becoming involved and saying to the principal and the teachers who are definitely um, probably fatigued by this time of the year, hey, I'd like to, you know, volunteer and, and, and do this for our school. It'd be a great open house event, a way to welcome new families, you know, into the school um, building who would be coming in in the fall to our school community. Let's have a, have yeah. a, a summer literacy night. Oh, that's a great idea. I think that the secondary, and I, I most recognize this now that I'm a mom and, and our schedules are hectic and busy, but 
um, making time after your kids get those books to really allow them to sit and have time to kind of grapple with it and enjoy some some quiet time. So making sure that, um, you know, you set aside some hours within your schedule that are, are actually blocked off for for book time, because there's a lot of things that impede your summer <laughs> um, and, oh, yeah. and things that, uh, you know, take the kids' interests and stuff. But activities, camps, books. screen mm-hmm. time, you know, exactly. yep. you're competing with a lot. But I think, you know, as a parent, if you can actually model that, when you're setting aside that time for reading, that you're also reading, you know, a book or a magazine um, while your child is doing the same is really powerful. I it's important agree to practice what you, what you preach, right? Like it's a nice way to, you know, if you're coming in from a pool outing or something like that, and it's, you're, everybody's hot and tired and it's good to kind of cool down in the AC and just like relax on the couch or in a chair or in your bed and just read yeah. for a while. And that's a way to kind of cool your body down, maybe, you know, transition into a different part of the day. That's something it I is, did when it I was is actually a, a good way to, to cool your body down. You know, I, um, was a part of a webinar earlier this week that uh, Scholastic, you know, put out another paper about that focused on the connection uh, between literacy and physical and mental health. And in one mm. of the studies that we cited in the paper, it spoke to how reading actually lowers blood pressure. Oh, so it, it does cal- it does calm you down. <laughs> it does for me. I know it does for me. So that's great. Um, so let's say the parent, you know, we talked about how these parents maybe felt the ones who answered that they needed more tips and that they weren't sure if they were doing it right. So let's say they um, follow Mary's advice and they're scheduling time during their week or during their days during the summer to make sure that the children are reading. What should they do after the children are reading? Like, is it just a simple question? Like, did you like the book? Or are there some questions that they could ask to kind of further the question, you know, the dialogue along and the understanding of the book and encourage more vocabulary development? Absolutely. All of those things. I mean, of course you should ask, did you like the book? But then ask why, you know, or why not, you know, probe a little deeper because that also gives you insight as a parent in terms of making selections for future books. Mm -hmm. So if the child said, oh, I like this book because I you know, I like the illustrations or I like the way that, you know, the author, you know, developed the story, whatever it was that the child liked about the book is a piece of information that you can leverage to help make selections going forward. But I would also dig deep into, you know, the vocabulary and asking your child also um, to sort of make connections to the real world, the world in which they live, you know, was there something about the book that, um, you know, found of value or related to to your own experience. And if not, you know, books are not only, you know, a way to connect and make a connection to your own reality, but they expose you to the world of others. And, you know, it's important to ask your child about those connections as well. Um, They can lead to other interests you know, well, Mary and I did an episode, I think two seasons ago about books as mirrors, doors and windows. That's um, right. The important work with, is it Rudy Sims Bishop who did that work? Mm-hmm. And, um, it just, I've gotten that in my own life and I didn't really realize that there had actually been some, you know, intellectual work done around that, 
you know, yeah, they, they, they can stretch you beyond your wildest imagination um, in a way that makes you think of possibilities that you just, you know, didn't think could be a reality. You oh, know? I mean, I grew up in a very sheltered, very small town. I mean, we did not, mm -hmm. we don't even have a three color light going through mm -hmm. our street. And, but the books took, took me everywhere I needed to mm -hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And I read almost every book in my entire library. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they let me go to the adult section starting in about ninth grade, luckily, because there was no other children's books available for me. So. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I don't think that every single um, time a kid picks up a book, you have to give them follow-up questions. Either. True. True. So, no. I just so we don't want to feel like there. a school thing. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely not. This more connection no. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's reading for pleasure, but also making those real life connections is valuable. So it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you know, try to engage with your child and try to still make these conversations. But you should not ask it. your child to write an essay. Right, right, <laughs> right. We got to find that balance. And well, so and thinking about the summer, like, you know, the parents said they wanted some activities to go along with the reading. You can think so much more outside the box during the summer. I mean, I used to love putting on skits with my friends when I was a kid. And that's something you could totally do. Like, okay, put on a skit of Charlotte's Web or whatever book yeah, you've read. Everybody's yeah. a character or make the comic strip or use your iPad and some sort of software to really make the book come alive. There's a lot of really creative and activities even in that, they even can in do. that acting out, like, let's create a new ending for the story. Yes. If, you know, if you thought it should end differently, well, how, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can play with, you can play. I play, think the, permission play to play. With literature. You can mm -hmm. play with literature. Yeah, I love that. Me too. Um, when we did that episode about uh, books as windows, mirrors and doors, which I always get it in the wrong order, but you know what I mean. So we, so we found a ton of really great people on Instagram. Like we need diverse books and some other um, fantastic social media influencers that give recommendations for books. Cause Mary and I just don't have time to kind of go through and see all the new books that are being released. Um, where are some other places besides social media that parents could find good recommendations? They can always yeah. ask their librarian too. They can ask their local librarian, they can ask the teachers, they can ask other parents, um, you know, I think they're everywhere and who are fortunate now with the internet. I mean, a, a, a simple search, I think, could, could yield some really great recommendations. Um, but, you know, talking to other parents and because, you know, there's always a parent who's been there and done this before you, <laughs> right. mm -hmm. yeah, you know, right. so if you're a parent of a five-year-old and you have friends whose kids are, you know, 10, you know, you say, what was it that your child liked to read when he or she was, was my kid's age? Um, you know, I think, I think that's helpful. Um, gosh, there's so much and kids give recommendations to one another, you know, as we said before. Yeah, I love that. I um, I actually just instituted a list on our refrigerator because I have a list on my phone of whenever people recommend a book to me, I keep a list on my phone. And um, I recognize that my daughter was wanting to make a list too. And so we just oh. put a notepad right on the refrigerator. And so now if there's a new book, we just, you know, can either put it in my phone and then transfer it. But that's her own special list um, of things too. So I think that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. 
maybe just a little tip. And if anybody is interested in our episode, it's season three, episode one, Books as Windows, Doors and Mirrors is the episode. Thank you, Mary. And I was remembering too, the season we we recorded with um, Donald and Miller and Colby Sharp. And I've Mm -hmm. followed Colby Sharp now on YouTube and almost every week he unpacks a box of books, especially, you know, like um, fifth grade around that age, sixth grade fourth grade and shows those sort of like early adolescent books and mm-hmm. I, it just that I never they, they would have taken about three years for me to discover those titles so it oh yeah. he's fantastic yeah I love following him and that is season five episode five classroom libraries that we yeah. recorded so with Donalyn Miller and Colby Sharp appreciate people doing that work for us so that we can <laughs> find good titles you know I was just thinking getting back to quote-unquote playing or you know doing books in you know, not the traditional way of just reading print on a page. And I definitely wanted to raise up the importance of also just listening to yeah. stories, you know. Um, Read alouds, audio Yeah, there are, yeah. there are apps that allow you to to listen to I'm stories. getting learning ally this summer for my son. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I, I love Audible. I don't know if I should be making... Right. I I, I love apps like that yes that allow you to um just listen you know you sort of process the text in a different way um I I find it at least I do um when I'm listening to someone else read aloud and then you can sort of take literacy anywhere Mm -hmm. you know when you're driving in a car you know you could be playing you know, for yeah. your kids to listen to when you're all enjoying that shared read aloud. We haven't even mentioned that, like road trip time. Yeah, what absolutely. an amazing time. Yeah. Do uh, so does, that summer. Mm-hmm. Is it? Um. Oh my goodness! What is that restaurant that uh, that's on like every exit that they used to have like? Oh, books? the Cocker Barrel. Yeah, does Cocker yeah, Barrel yeah. still do that? I don't know. <laughs> they used to be able to check out books like on oh, CD, wow. I think, like when you would stop and then you could just drop oh, it yeah, off like yeah, 100 miles yeah. down the uh, road. I don't know. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's showing my age here. Okay. I know. That I was thinking that too. Because uh-huh. that was when I was a kid. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Cracker Bell's yeah. like Audible is like put us out of business on that part, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> just come to us for candy. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I I do I think that there are many resources to share and you know it's so it does feel a little bit overwhelming but also if you can tap back into your own inner child and how mm-hmm. much you really loved books and really you know found some joy and sometimes that comes from a parent reading to a child and sometimes that is finding a little cozy nook and curling up with your own favorite book that you've already read 5 times. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I do sometimes hear this from parents too. So I will just reiterate this. There is no problem rereading books over and over again. If there Mm -hmm. is a favorite book, um, there can be a lot that's relearned again and again, um, when you reread a book too. So, um, I say, uh, first allow your kids the choice. Don't forget to, um, offer them opportunities to engage in books, but, um, let, let the choice be theirs. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that's, and then also there's other ways of engaging. So if you're in charge of the controls in the car and you have Mm -hmm. an amazing book that you think you might enjoy, (laughs) the whole family might enjoy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, um, too, I just had the thought about extended family, you know, like I always went to my grandparents during the summer and I remember one summer I was just so bored. There was nothing to do. And so 
my grandmother like had a confederacy of dunces like on the side table and I read it yeah. when I was staying in the guest room and I ended up loving it I can tell you exactly mm -hmm. where I was the whole time I was reading that book and how I felt during it and I don't think I would have picked up that book otherwise so mm -hmm. the books yeah. that our aunts and uncles have that our you know neighbors have that our gr the grandparents have in their houses that's another place where they can get sources of books that maybe they wouldn't normally pick absolutely mm. I love that well, if you go on to Scholastic too, they always have a book recommender on there too. We so, do. We do. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> I can plug that. I'm happy to plug Thank that. You. <laughs> yeah. No, I use a lot. I wasn't sure about plugs that I can No, y'all have so many resources. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to even remember. Resources. Parents could visit, you know, the Scholastic website and, mm -hmm. and, and find many, many resources and ideas and tips. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Plug well, for y'all's warehouse sales too. That's a great place <laughs> for teachers and parents to buy books at a bargain. Oh, they definitely. are. They are. So um, thank you. That helped. That saved me my first three years of teaching. I, mean, awesome. yeah. I would get like the grab bags of, you know, that were kind of at the <laughs> register where it's like every book in here is together is just $2. And I, that's how I built my class library when I was first mm -hmm. starting out in my career. Mm-hmm. Well, so, can I want to ask one question and this is kind of going back to the very beginning I probably should have asked this when we first started talking about the infographic but what parents did you survey like how many did you ask like can you tell us anything about the the survey group and where you got this information there there were gosh I don't know the you, just ballpark numbers yeah oh it's over a thousand I mean it was okay yeah um I could get that for you. No, you can just, I'm just curious. I'm just curious yeah, which um, parents were giving us this information, which kids were giving us this information. Yeah. Was it from your website or? I don't know. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just kind of no. curious who had answered on some of these questions. I bet I don't know. And that's a good question. So um, what else do you want families and teachers to know while we while we're chatting with you? No, I just want to also reiterate the importance of just having books in the home. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of research out there on um, the power of home libraries, um, you know, studies that find that having books in the home is linked to achievement in school and lifelong success, um, that kids who don't have books are likely to suffer learning losses when they're out of school. So again, this summer learning, summer reading time is important. And, um, you know, having books in the home are a way to actually combat some of the learning loss that, you know, kids have experienced over the last few years um, because of the pandemic. Um, you know, the more kids read, the more their vocabularies grow. Um, yeah, one of the statistics you have on here, it says that 43% of kids have fewer than 50 books at home. That's right. Yeah, so that's. And so, you know, the more that we can do community organizations, you know, to support, you know, an increase in the number of books in the home in underserved communities um, would go a long way. Mm hmm. For sure. Well, what is your background? How? 
my background. Yeah. I, how long where were you teaching? And then how did you get I to taught school? I was in Washington, D.C. I was a kindergarten teacher. Okay. Um, here in Washington, D.C. And I, uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher also for many, many years. And so I guess that's where I developed my love of literacy as she taught me to read. Mm-hmm. Before I started school, I was I was a reader in kindergarten. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I eventually became a, a school administrator, a principal, and then got into district level leadership. And when I left that um, work, over 20 years of it, I, I uh, joined Scholastic. Okay. Mary talks about her daughter had already learned to read when she was in kindergarten. She was a little bored. Do you remember that? I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but I, I still loved, I enjoyed school. I loved my teacher, Miss Grandmaggy. I mean, she was like a real life Miss Frizzle. She oh, looked like her too. I love it. And uh, <laughs> I look back at that picture and I'm like, she was Miss Frizzle, literally. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the inspiration for the character. Yes, but she was so talented. She could play the guitar and the piano. We would sing in her class. I mean, that little, when I went to kindergarten, it was half a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, but those little three hours were the best three hours of my life, you know, when I was five years old. That made great. an impression. Wow. She did. Yeah. Mary, I was just talking about Nina um, and how oh, yes. uh, um, Amanda said that her mom had was a kindergarten teacher and had taught her how to read before she got to school. And so oh, she yeah. remembers going to kindergarten and knowing how to read. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like, yeah, <laughs> your daughter. It, my <laughs> I was daughter, asking if she was bored. <laughs> um, she, Yeah, it's funny, though. I was, well, my daughter happened to be a pandemic baby. And so when she started kindergarten, she was online. And so um she, we were actually really lucky and able to supplement some of her social interactions with um, another pod teacher. So she would do morning time um, on the computer screen, and then she would have more social time with her small pod. And the teacher that was working with the kids there um, was just so dynamic, just as you were just describing, where yeah, just instilled a love of reading, gave her the opportunity to practice reading those books and share those books with her other friends there. And but more important than anything, I love this part. She taught her to um, read the book, The Good Egg, which is a darling little story. But um, with Nina, she loves to uh, correct and be a role model and make sure that she's, that all the kids are doing what they're expected to do. And so as a great social reminder, you know, when that got to be a little more on the tattling side, it she would just say, good egg. And it would be her cue to just stop and calm and remember she doesn't oh, have yes. to be in charge. And so, you yeah. know, people have just the That's most the power way. of literacy. It, it can it also is. tap into the SEL domain and the self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a book my mom used to read aloud to me, and I can't remember the title now, but like the theme was sort of like look the other way, like mm-hmm. learn how to ignore something and look the other way. And even in adulthood, my mom would say to me sometimes, Amanda, mm-hmm. look the other way. <laughs> yep. Yep. Those life lessons. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. I totally agree. Aww. That's really special. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, there was one stat that I thought was important to raise up here mm-hmm. um, about reading outside of school. And it was 21 minutes a day of reading outside of school results in higher scores on reading achievement tests. 
and an increase of more than 1.8 million reading words annually. And that was um, Fisher and Fry uh, citation there. And I just thought, wow, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. Mm -mm. When we're talking about summer reading and reading at home, we're not saying that, you know, you should make your child read for an hour and a half. Nobody needs to read you a know, chapter this, book this, in a this day. Study, study 21 minutes. That's not much, you know? I used to tell my my homeroom students, just read during the commercials. Like you're watching, mm-hmm. you know, like SpongeBob for like three hours in the afternoons, just reading the commercials mm-hmm. and you'll get to that 20 or 30 minutes. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I just was reading personally for my itty bitty book club. We're reading mm-hmm. Tranquility Till by Tuesday. And it's by the person who also wrote 168 hours. And so she's always talking about how there's 168 hours in your week. And then one of the little tips in the Tranquility by Tuesday book is that uh, making something a habit three times a week in 20 minutes. And she was basically mm-hmm. saying like 20 minutes is nothing compared to your 168 hours in the week. Like if you really think yeah. about it, we are constantly frittering away these little 20 minute blocks and we don't even know that we have. And if you just set some intentionality around some of that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Um, amazing things will happen. Like you're saying, like adding uh, almost 2 million words of mm-hmm. red, words read to your vocabulary is huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cumulative awesome. effect. Yeah. And I think another thing that we should raise up is just the importance of having variety. You know, while your child, you know, will be drawn to a certain type of book, just remembering all that's out there, you know, in terms of the book types, the genre, authors, Mm -hmm. characters, you know, Yeah, don't pigeonhole your kid just yeah so we started saying give them choice but then also there are ways there are even some bloggers out there who will say if you love these books try this one it's Mm -hmm. similar but it's going to push your reading life a little forward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah your interests a little forward and maybe open up a new genre maybe open up a new character or series to you or author I love that. It's only in that variety that you actually do get the opportunity to explore new worlds, you know, Mm -hmm. and to think about new topics. You know, if you're if you're reading the same types of books, you know, you're not much will change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, I I'm actually I can't wait for summer break. (laughs) <laughs> I already not have just a stack of books for but... reasons but not just for the typical reasons but you're excited to tackle your uh, summer reading most pile. of the time I mean I mean I am a stereotypical reading teacher and I love reading myself obviously and so um you know when I do think of summer first it, it makes me think of reading and so um it but also I think that we've given a lot of really good practical tips and even if it's not something that you are super comfortable with, or maybe you haven't picked up a book in a while for your own pleasure reading. You know, I love the tip where if your kids are reading, pick up you something should, else yeah, to read too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Give yourself that time and, and mm-hmm. that gift to yourself if you can. Mm-hmm. It's peaceful and it's fun. And I just love your permission to play. Yeah. Yes, the permission to play is great. Yeah. So in any way, right? In any way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been such a great chat. Thank you for sharing this infographic with us and, and making sure that we're sharing the information with, that parents really want to know. Um, 
you know, as teachers, I think that we're kind of just tapped on the shoulder. Don't forget, you're also mm-hmm. teaching the parents too. And many of us want to share this information and, and we're happy to. So, well, as a homeroom teacher, I was always asked kind of when I was, you know, saying goodbye for the summer, the parents would say, what should I be doing? You know, between now and when school starts. And so it is helpful to know this information as teachers too, so that we yep. can share about uh, resources and, you know, just the best things to do that don't take much time and energy, but will really make an impact in the student's vocabulary development, which as we talked about this season is so important. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And thanks to Scholastic for, um, for doing the legwork on this and sharing it with us. Yeah. It was really nice to meet you, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Same. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye to you and Clifford. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.